Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast. I'm Ryan Briganti, your host. Welcome to 2022. So it's been a little bit of a break for the podcast for me in general. I've taken about two weeks, three weeks off to focus on my mental health, to focus on my physical health since I have a disc herniation. And that has been over a year now of a learning adventure on getting better mentally and physically. I definitely hit rock bottom um, after Christmas, kind of the first part of New Year's. As far as everything that I'm doing with the nonprofit, it just kind of all came down. And I realized I was like burning myself out in the aspect of literally doing everything um, from finance, finance stuff to running the nonprofit, to paying bills, to doing all the podcasts, the interviews for all the blogs, doing all the social media, updating the website, doing a lot of the coding and everything else that requires the website. Um, you name it, I've been doing it, all the scheduling, everything for all the interviews and all of that. So here I am, it's February 1st, um, getting back into it. I've actually had quite a few interviews this week. I'm getting excited to start some more podcasts with all of you. And I just wanted to do a solo podcast today for kind of a little catch up, some things that I've been thinking about. I think this is a lot easier platform for me to talk for a long period of time to describe how I'm feeling or what's going on in my brain, how I'm kind of um, how to articulate best to our community about, you know, some of the experiences that I've had with other Kleinfelter guys and some of the those experiences. So we're going to have some really cool podcasts coming up, not just people sharing their stories, but we're going to be talking about executive functions, testosterone, um, being open about Kleinfelter syndrome, um, dating, like just kind of the real world aspects of Kleinfelter syndrome and and just life in general for a lot of people. So I've had a few things on my mind and and I've I had a really wonderful interview today with Dan Mooney. He's uh, done a podcast with us before and we're going to be doing like a writing biography about his life story. And um, that interview with him today was like two hours long. And we really touched base on a lot of things that um, one of them was like empathy Um, another one was kind of just how like the executive functions and how they, um, how we process things and how we have to like create workarounds and different things because what's works for the real world atmosphere for most people typically doesn't work for creative hands-on learners. Um, people that are kind of like, like like-minded Kleinfelter, uh, guys and boys out there. So we've got to have to f- figure out how to adapt. Um, first, we have to actually understand that we need help or that we need to adapt things. And then we have to learn how to adapt. And then we have to learn processes and and other things that work for us through trial and error and not giving up and, and just keep per- being persistent, pushing forward and finding that like thing that works best for whatever that thing is and so what this boils into is executive functions it's it's something that I've never known about any of this stuff I never googled any of it um, until I was 31 years old when I went to my first conference and met people which started this whole 
process of living with XXY. And now we are on like full steam ahead, ship going so fast. It's hard to keep up, but I wanted to slow things down, really focus. Um, I can only do so much. So the things that I am doing and putting more effort and energy into um, and trying to kind of like keep this ship moving without having holes and things falling apart all over the place because there are so many moving parts. Um, but what's great is multitasking and working with my hands and being visual. I have sticky notes all over my wall of all the things that need to get done, all the interviews of people that I need to contact or call people that have offered to volunteer, how to get them in play into the nonprofit, um, just everything in general. And so executive function is something that I still don't fully understand, but I do know that majority of the men that I have met and that I have talked to have some form of executive function, um, like dysfunction. I don't want to put a label on it because I, growing up, I never labeled myself. I never said, oh, I have Kleinfelder syndrome. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I don't want to fuel the fire for any other people out there that kind of use Kleinfelder syndrome to, to negatively impact their lives. I understand that this is a spectrum and there are people that fall along that spectrum. And Kleinfelder syndrome does impact some people severely and some people it doesn't impact at all. And so... I know that I'm, oh, I have to be open to that, which I totally am, but I'm trying to use my perspective of my life as well within this podcast for all of you, um, because I can only really speak on my behalf. Um, I can't speak for others, even though I've met so many people and this organization is just like making a huge difference, which I'm so proud of. Um, I'm so proud that our community coming together, raising awareness, being more open. Um, all of these things are adding up. And this is another thing that I want to talk about in this podcast. But so I've never, so up until starting living with XXY, doing the research, executive function was something that like I heard a lot of or executive dysfunction or other bad words that I would say, like would, if you heard it, you would think negative before you think positive. So like, um, what else is there? Like sensory processing disorder. I don't view it as like a bad thing because I'm more sensitive, um, with like, I like nicer clothes that are more comfortable. Like I don't view that as a negative thing. Um, but so executive function is something that I keep hearing and it's just something that keeps popping up. And I've Googled a few times. I've looked at, um, diagrams and other things, but I fully haven't grasped the aspect of like, what is executive function? How does it affect our community or people in our community? And this is something that in 2022, I'm going to really put a lot of energy into um, because my life, I've probably figured out so many workarounds for the aspect of executive functions throughout my life, but I never knew like, oh, that's this specific thing, if that makes sense to all of you. So I've just tried to figure out like what works for me, how things work, what, and then, but now I've been noticing like, what do I have a hard time with? What are the things that I really struggle with? And okay, so I'm 36 years old. I live on my own. I have all my own bills, I, all my own, every, every kind of thing that revolves around adulting 
and that is overwhelming within itself. And then like you throw in the fact that like I'm 36, most people have kids by now. Um, it's something that I've accepted my whole life and it's something right now that I'm not interested in. I'm, I'm thinking about foster care later on in life. I could definitely become a foster parent and give kids like a safe space to live and things like that. I think that that could be a more enjoyable aspect, but not until I'm older. So all of these adulting things, like let's just take Kleinfelder syndrome out of it, right? Like paying bills, doctor's appointments, hygiene, like all of these aspects have to function in a somewhat of a organized structure. And when we talk about structure, I look back on my life when I was a chef and I had no problems with structure. Actually being a chef and working as a, in the food industry, it was like the military. It was, um, if you're late, wait, if you're on time, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And those were things that I lived by. I was so passionate to be a chef, to work in some of the best restaurants in the United States, to go to the, one of the best culinary schools in the world, the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. And everything was regimented and and like structured to a T. And then when you got into the cooking of, you know, the environment of cooking through culinary school, everything is, is very meticulous and hands-on and visual and all of these things that like I've noticed majority of men and boys with Kleinfelder syndrome um, just excel in and the multitasking and, and yeah, cr crazy high stress environment, but you're with people and you're building a team and it, it becomes like a fun thing when you have the right people. Um, we call it the A team when you have, you know, your core group of guys that can basically, it's like ballet. You can watch chefs work in the kitchen, line cooks and sous chefs and everyone has their roles and their stations. And, we could communicate by just looking at each other and knowing how long it takes others to do stuff. And you hear call outs like I need three more minutes or played up in one minute or I'll see you in uh, like, what was it called? I'll see you on the, um, like all of our plates would be up in the window. So I'll see you in the window. Um, and we were in charge. Like when I worked at Sweet Basil in Vail, Colorado, we had like the most epic, team of chefs, line cooks, um, sous chefs, head chef. And Friday night we would be doing like 230 to almost 300 covers. Um, some stations, my station pasta or saute would be selling 50 items off their station. You would three, um, when I worked pasta, you had three entrees and an appetizer. When I worked saute, you had three entrees. So you're, you're, you're required to, um, supply all of your mise en place, which is all of your um, food you have to prep and everything for your station for the night. So everything was like super meticulous and structured and it was crazy like the military and it was all hands-on and visual. So that was like an excel, like, and that was something that you're super passionate about. So you, there was no question that you weren't going to be at work early. You weren't going to stay until you know, be the last person out and be there the next morning before the first person arrives. So when there was structure in my life like that, I was a highly functioning adult, um, adult and hygiene. It, that's always been an issue for me. Um, 
and making it to doctor's appointments without forgetting. And I would try, what I would tell myself was I could store all this stuff in my brain, but when the reality of it, if it's not written down or if it's not on a list or in a calendar that reminds me, it's gone. And I missed so many doctor's appointments, meetings, other important aspects of my life because I forgot to write it down so I could see it. So it's tactile. So it's there for me. Um, and the reality of that is you just learn, right? You miss a dentist appointment, your late fee or not showing up is like $50 charge. And you know, you don't move your car when street sweeping is it's a $50 ticket. Like all that stuff financially adds up, especially when you're working a job where you're not making very much money. Um, and you're, calculating all of your finances, realizing that, oh, that $50 ticket just left me with $150 in entertainment for the entire month. So going out to the bar, hanging out with friends, I have to like really, really watch what I spend, where I spend it, holding yourself accountable that you're not going to just put it on a credit card and forget about it because that, you know, you have to learn all the aspects of life. So it's definitely been a challenge. You know, I can, I feel, I feel myself getting manic sometimes. Like, I don't know if manic is the right word, but I get overstressed about all these things. Like now it's tax season. So I have to take care of my personal taxes, which aren't very much because I didn't make any money last year. But with the nonprofit, I have to make sure the bookkeeping is um, up to date with my bookkeeper making sure that she's in line. So everything is done with her in a timely manner, make sure that she's paid for her work. And then I have to call the CPA once her work is done and make an appointment with our CPA to get our taxes done for the nonprofit. Plus, like I said, my personal taxes. So that's just like one aspect that needs to be done before, um, April 14th. I think that somewhere in there, it needs to be finished and done and wrapped up. And up until it's done, I stress about it, but then I can procrastinate and sometimes I just forget about it because it's not written down. I don't call. I don't have a written down um, like sticky note on my wall that I can see that says call CPA book, you know, taxes, stuff like that. So I know this is like kind of random and all over the place, but really these core things that I've realized in my life kind of lead up to this whole executive function thing. So the structure I've realized in my life when I was a photographer, um, I definitely excelled when I had structure or when I hustled to book to get clients. I was a freelance photographer for almost five years, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I didn't actually walk away with making money, but I paid for everything and I was able to keep my life going with it. So it was uh, canceling itself out. Um, but I wasn't actually adding, uh, dollar bills to my bank account to where I could like move forward. It was something that, you know, I did it. I was passionate about it. Um, but the freelance world photography, it's cutthroat, especially in the snowboard industry. It's extremely small. There's only a core group of photographers. It's really hard to get in with companies and then get work because you're competing with people that have been in the industry for 20, 30 years. 30 years. Um, so as far as just what I'm realizing about executive function, if, you know, a lot of families, a lot of um, boys, you know, are struggling with organizational skills in school, turning in homework, you know, things like that. Um, as far as 
you know, th- this, this is something like this whole podcast right now, I'm jumping all over the place because I was sitting on my couch and I was just like, you know what? I need to record a podcast. I've been thinking about this stuff for a while, but I, the way my brain works, it's not all like, okay, let's start at grade school, work myself through high school. And I could do that, but I'm also kind of, I just roll with the punches on how things um, pop into my brain. So I could have been a little bit more prepared for this, but Hey, you know, this is me. This is a podcast and uh, I know that people listen and people will continue to listen because of the content. Um, It's also hard for me to, you know, a lot of the XXY guys that I've met, they understand, we understand each other. We understand the struggles and the things that are going on in our lives, but it's really hard to articulate how we feel or what is going on to our parents or peers or other people. Um, And I found that I do a pretty good job of trying to articulate what it's like from an XXY perspective to the parents to kind of get them to understand how their kids might feel different or think different um, and in positive ways and also some of the areas that we struggle. So when it comes to executive function, it's, you know, the, in my mind, when I wake up in the morning, I have an iWatch now, which is really changing the way I live my life because it's adding reminders and vibrations that trigger my brain. And it makes me look and realize, oh, like tomorrow I have a 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. appointment with Michael, who's sharing his story. So I know that I have to be up early and my watch wakes me up. So there's, there's these things that have really helped me over the last couple of weeks that I've realized. And, um, but the structure of life. So I work from home. I'm 36. I run the nonprofit from a spare bedroom in my house and I work seven days a week. There is no like non-work days. There's always something that needs to be done. And one of the aspects of the nonprofit is organization. And I would say organization out of a one to 10, um, with building the structure, doing everything myself, um, having to figure out all the workarounds, I'd give myself a four. The reason why I give myself a lower number is because I'm just being truly honest with myself. Um, I still try to keep things in my brain when I know I need to write them down. So let's, let's go through the day of Ryan, um, kind of, and I'm going to explain how executive function, even though I don't fully understand the, the Google definition of what executive function is, I'm going to tell you what goes on and why I think. So if there is no schedule or structure, Waking up, most people just wake up when they wake up because they don't have a plan for their day or they don't have goals for their day. So implementing those goals and those plan is extremely important because when you wake up, you know you have a purpose. You know that you need to be somewhere and do things at a certain time. You know what you need to get done in the day to make yourself feel good, to keep progressing forward. If we don't, you know, through the nonprofit, when we accomplish small goals, those goals get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it doesn't get easier as time goes on. It gets harder, but the more organized we are or the more organized I am, the more I can handle, the more I can do, and the more efficient I get at what I do. So waking up with plan, 
structure is really important, even for weekends, for those of you that want to go out and enjoy yourself. Um, I also understand it's really good to just do nothing. That's always extremely important to give yourself grace, to do nothing and don't feel bad because you aren't doing anything. But to only do that every once in a while, to give yourself a reset, doing that all the time, um, it, it can manifest itself into probably other negative impacts in your life, being lazy, um, not wanting to take care of your physical health, your mental health, your hygiene, lots of these other aspects that are important for everyone, not just XXY, to feel good. So waking up with a purpose, um, I try to get up anywhere between 6.30 and 8 a.m. 8 a.m. is my latest. I've given myself that goal on the weekends. I might sleep until 10. Sometimes I sleep until noon. Um, I do as a chef. Um, it is has been very difficult for me to transfer my life from being a night person to a morning person um, because, you know, at 6 a.m., it's already 9 a.m. on the East Coast, uh, especially if I have a business meeting or something along those lines. So waking up is extremely important. What happens in my life with hygiene is there is this like mental trigger that is missing that when you wake up, you go into the bathroom, you do your stuff, you shower, um, whether you shower at night or early in the morning, um, you brush your teeth, you take care of the medication or the things that you need to take, vitamins, etc. Um, or you go eat, then you brush your teeth. The, the hygiene aspect in my life has probably been one of the most challenging aspects of my life of just taking care of my overall well-being. Um, since I live alone, cooking, even though I was a chef, cooking is extremely difficult to be motivated to make food, um, especially cook good food. I usually just eat the same thing over and over. Um, I can fall off the train and eat crap food for a while and then I can get back on. Um, I, I kind of have this diet of like, I only eat what I make. So it prevents me from going and eating fast food or getting these like treats that are just, you know, food is so at, like readily available these days that you can eat whenever you feel hungry or whatever you feel like you want to eat. But the desire to say no and hold yourself accountable is a lot harder. So Waking up, brushing your teeth is extremely important. My teeth have definitely suffered throughout the years of not brushing my teeth. I've had um, a lot of time to think about that and the aspect of my teeth definitely haven't seen a toothbrush as much as they need to be. So what I've done as a workaround in the last three to four years of my life is I've put a toothbrush in the shower. So when I do shower, which is more often than it used to be, um, I brush my teeth in the shower because it's some days I'll go one day where I brush my teeth once. Some days I won't brush my teeth at all. Um, some days I'll brush my teeth twice. And then those days where I brush my teeth twice and I took a shower, I brush my teeth three times. So it all adds up um, to healthy oral hygiene. And I know a lot of guys have uh, like lower enamel. It's part of Klinefelter syndrome um, on our teeth. And so I I know the word, but I don't know how to pronounce it. So, um, to, to, to deism or to, I, I don't even know. It's a, it's a big word and it's, it's really hard for me to pronounce, uh, stuff like that. Um, I have to hear it, see it, listen to it, visualize it, in my mind, say it, 
in order for me to memorize it. And I just, my computers are off right now. So I will learn it though, because that's a, um, something that has happened to some of the guys that I know, and it is a factor with Klinefelter syndrome. So taking care of your oral hygiene is extremely important. Um, sticky notes can help. Uh, there's these Gorilla Extremes, they're called Post-It Extreme, and they stick to anything and everywhere, and they, they take six, seven, eight months to fall down before you have to replace one. So when it gets really bad for me, I'll put up sticky notes in the shower or in the, in the, uh, on the mirror in the bathroom to remind me like, what are the steps that I have to take, which is all about structure and routine, routine structure, two of the most important things for a lot of us to function in society. And it's just a must. And then there's procrastination, which prevents you from doing it, which then, you know, it just sends you down this um, rabbit hole of, of uh, like spiraling out of control. And um, it then it takes, once you get the, the spiraling out of control, it takes you a lot more energy and a lot more time to get back up to just doing the basic things. So all of this stuff of, of life, hygiene, you know, fun, all of these things, we have to like hold ourselves accountable is probably the most important thing is self-accountability. Um, whether it's doing your testosterone on time, if you do gel or shots, you know, there have been over the last couple of years since I've been on testosterone for 23 years and I've been doing injections. And, and now that I'm uh, verbalizing my injections, it's been a lot more difficult to constantly do them on time because I'm putting more energy and effort into showing people how I do my shots or talking about it and putting just more effort and energy into it. So I'm thinking about it more. And when it comes to doing my shot, sometimes I just don't want to do it. Uh, get It's not that I have needle anxiety, but I just, you just don't know the variable. Is it going to burn? Is it going to sting? Is it going to bleed? Is it going to hurt? Um, you know, just all the variables. Am I doing it in the right spot? Because I was doing it in the wrong spot for almost 10 years because no one showed me how. So all these like anxieties of just that simple thing that, that is like gives us life for those of us that choose to be on testosterone. Um, it makes a huge difference, but then when we're not on it, you know, the, the head in the clouds, the fogginess, the irritability, um, uh, like the low libido, um, tiredness, like just, just all the, those aspects of being, you know, not missing your dose or, or not putting your gel on when you're supposed to every day, even though a lot of us aren't aware of those things actually happening, they are happening. And until you, I think it's a certain age, uh, it's a maturity thing until you are self-aware um, is when you really notice uh, the how it feels. And I think it takes a lot of times of missing your dose or postponing it and getting those feelings to actually be able to acknowledge, oh yeah, I feel like absolute crap when I miss my injection. Oh yeah, it's been three days. Oh, this is how I feel. This is why I feel this way. Um, and it gives you justification of being like, okay, I got to do this on a normal basis, even though I don't want to, or, or whatever my excuses or whatever I come up with in my own mind. Um, this is something that helps me live life 
way better. I feel so much better when I'm on it versus off of it. And this is my choice. I'm making this choice. I want to feel this way. So I have to hold that myself accountable and just get it done and not forget. And that's that a whole aspect of executive function of, you know, brushing your teeth, the hygiene, the shower, um, all of those aspects. Uh, I think sensory with shower also has to come into play with some people. I've noticed that I shower more when I change my shower head to have a mist. So it's like a fine mist that is covering my body. Um, and I've noticed that showers are actually way more enjoyable now that I have this mist setting on my shower head versus just the straight water streams that most showers have. So if uh, your child or you have a hard time showering, maybe think about changing up the way the water hits your body um, and how it makes you feel. It could increase uh, positive sensation and and actually make you want to take a shower versus uh, dreading that whole aspect. I know that some people use loofahs, some people use other aspects of how to apply soap. And that is also a sensory thing. So, um, you know, the breakdown of the shower is just as much structure within the whole world of structure. So like I break it down to where the shower has its own structure, my toothbrush and, and waking up in the morning has its own structure. So all these little aspects of life have their own way for me to do that successfully. Other people do it differently. I do it for what works for me. I don't care what other people do. I'm not going to let what other people do tell me or how to do this or what to do unless it might be another XXY guy that understands or someone else that might suggest something. I'm open to listening, but I'm going to do ultimately what I think works best for me. And I'm always trying to adapt that situation to make it more efficient and better. Um, like right now, for a while, I've been really indecisive um, trying to buy a loofah because there's too many decisions on Amazon um, and I can't just pick one. My brain just won't let me pick one because there's literally like 9,000 different loofahs that you could buy and they all have different reviews and I get just caught up in that that stream of just like overwhelmed by all the choices and then I end up not buying it. So um, I've been just using soap for the last couple of months because my loofah died on me and I haven't been decisive enough to get one, which it'll happen. I'll, I'll force myself to go to Target, grab one. I don't care what the price is. Uh, make sure it's soft. Make sure it's it's going to work for me. Um, so that's an adaptive skill. And in the shower, you know, you get I get in there. I put um, this dandruff shampoo on my head first with a little bit of water. Let that sit for five minutes while I clean my body with soap. I put my face cream on after with after the soap. I wash everything off together. And then I put a little conditioner in my hair. And then I will brush my teeth if, you know, um, that's usually I'll brush my teeth um, after I'm done with everything. I'll rinse everything off. I'll, depending upon the day, I might sit in there for five minutes or I might just get out within five minutes and dry myself off and there's my shower. So that little system, you have to develop yourself on what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? So every time you get in the shower, you don't shower without soap. You, or if you're traveling, you always do it the same way. So in repetition, repetition, repetition. And so that goes with everything and, and 
it can be exhausting trying to manage all of these mini structural systems within this major structure of your life, like paying bills and man and, and insurance and putting gas in your car and then going shopping. Like each one of these things for some of the kids might need to be broken down into their own sections and actually have someone show us how to do it. So when it comes to laundry, like showing your kids how it's done and having them do it. And then once they know, they know. And it, um, they might need to be reminded on or re-shown on how to do it. But for a lot of us, we're very visual, tactile, hands-on learners. So once we're shown how to do something and we get in there and we do it, it becomes a muscle memory really quickly and we just learn it. And um, that's that. So I know this is a crazy kind of off the wall podcast, but um, I hope that this is, you know, this is just me talking about my life and I hope that it's helpful for people. Um, If you have any questions about this podcast or about certain aspects of my life or intricate questions that you guys want to ask, feel free to um, shoot me an email living with XXY at living with xxy.org or you can message us on our Instagram or Facebook with your questions. Please make sure that you put a title in there that says these are questions related to your podcast about executive function or whatever it may be. And what I'll do is I'll compile a list of the questions asked by the community and I'll try to answer them in a podcast um, based off of my knowledge and my experience of just doing this and then my life experience. So let's see, what else with executive function? So like food, um, the whole aspect of feeding yourself, taking care of the kitchen. Let's just put the kitchen as one aspect of a structural system that you have to build. So as an adult, you have to go shopping. Um, You, I have to eat healthy because I have high cholesterol. So I need to take care of myself. Um, I I need to watch what I put in my body um, for best benefit and uh, weight gain, you know, all my weight goes around my lower abdomen, which, um, carrying fat there is not the most healthiest for the human body from all the things that I've read. So watching what I eat, I have actually over the last kind of rock bottom ish, I just constantly ate candy and, and sweets. Cause it, it just dawned upon me that it felt good to eat. And so I gained uh, 15 pounds I weighed 230, which was the most I've ever weighed in my entire life. I've tried to gain weight my whole life, and finally I was able to gain some weight, but it's not healthy weight. And now I'm on this road to getting back to 205, 210. Uh, so losing 20 pounds or 25 pounds is is a a um, a mental game with myself of, of another structure that I have to implement, stick to, stay with in order to hold myself accountable. So let's talk about the kitchen. Um, You have to go shopping. You have to go to the grocery store. I shop usually what's on sale. It's just uh, an addiction of mine. I think I, as a chef, um, you always know like the cost of actual goods. And so it's really hard for you to like go to the grocery store and look at a price and be like, no way, I'm not paying that because I know the cost of it. Um, So preparing meals, especially when you live alone, can be really difficult. So it can lead you down the path of like buying frozen food or not as healthy food. Or if you don't know how to cook, it might be a a little bit more hard for you um, to balance yourself with a healthy diet. And so food for me has been 
even as a chef, it's been really difficult to constantly manage three meals a day at, at direct times throughout the day, depending upon what you're doing. Um, so this is an ongoing challenge and nutrition is also an ongoing challenge. Um, I'm hoping in the next year I can develop something that might be beneficial to the community. So always having food in the refrigerator, um, eating healthy, taking care of yourself, and then your mental health is one of the most important things is, and that's active, being active and exercise. So all of these things that, you know, when you add them all up, there's so many little minute processes and there's so many things that then build a bigger system and then that go into play into a bigger role. And I think a lot of us, that aspect of structure, if it's not ingrained and it's not built in and it's not there, a lot of us can do something for three weeks and then completely forget the next day, like wake up and as if like nothing happened, like that entire structure that you just built is gone. You don't even, it's not, you don't even think about it. It's just like, I'm just went back to waking up at mid noon and, and um, like, oh yeah, I might have a meeting or two because my watch tells me, but so it's holding yourself accountable is probably one of the hardest aspects of it, of the executive function. And I'm trying to think of, you know, executive function for younger kids. I had a star chart when I was growing up. My parents did a hygiene star chart, um, which held me accountable. There were definitely moments where I was like, yeah, I brushed my teeth, but I definitely didn't. Um, I think, you know, when I'm thinking about brushing my teeth, I have this like, you know, I explain the mind of someone with Klinefelter syndrome or especially myself is this hamster on the hamster wheel. It's constantly running. It is running so fast in the hamster wheel that the hamster can't even keep up with how fast the wheel is spinning. And the hamster goes for a ride on the wheel that it created itself. And I, I visualize that in my mind is like, that's how my mind is. I'm constantly thinking things are going so fast. So when I'm doing this simple task of like brushing my teeth for two or three minutes, I feel like the moment I start, I feel like I'm already, I, I feel like I need to like finish it faster than I than, than I should. Like it's something that needs to take time and it needs to be relaxed. But then while I'm doing it, my mind is just like racing and all over the place. And so it, it feels like it's harder to concentrate brushing my teeth than it is to just do it and stop and get it over with. Um, if that makes any sense. And so the brain is like constantly going just super fast while the brushing your teeth is like this monotonous thing that you got to do and you got to cover all your teeth and make sure it's done. And, and then there's the sensory aspect of it that some people might have a, you know, a really a hard time with. So that's just kind of like how I feel when I brush my teeth. Sometimes it's just, I just don't want to do it. And, and the brain is just going so fast that it, I don't do it, but then I suffer from yellow teeth, cavities, bad breath, all of the above. It's the same thing with showers and dating. Uh, you know, you can all of a sudden go out, realize you didn't shower for like two or three days. You smell yourself and you smell really bad, but then you're like, ah, well, I'm out. There's nothing I can do about it, but you can. Um, showering for a lot of people is a really big sensory thing. So like I said earlier, getting that whatever you got to do to make the shower enjoyable, get it done, do it, 
Don't procrastinate. You know, just do it. We all kind of have our struggles and it's okay because everyone, even people that are XY and XX and all the other possibilities that are out there, everyone has their own thing. Like no one is perfect. So that kind of, I'm going to stop with the executive function because I can feel my brain like kind of talking about the same topics over and over. And I need to kind of dive into executive function more, break it down into a like waterfall chart and really try to break down and understand certain situations and why I do them and, and all of that because of I've been just adapting my whole life regardless of what my challenges are. I've never had labels and other things on the internet to tell me that, oh, that's this, or this is why you have this, or let's put this label on it and this label, and let's give you this drug to do this and, and all of that aspect. So um, one of the things I mentioned is no one's perfect uh, just a minute ago. And one of the things that's been on my mind for a really long time, and this could probably be another podcast um, now that we're at 40 minutes, but I just want to throw it in here. So lately, we've been getting a lot of messages from newly diagnosed parents. And in those messages, it is the, I feel like it is like this broken record that just keeps on playing and playing and playing. And every family that comes and talk to us has the exact same story that the family previously before them, the day before them, or the couple days before them, or the week before them contacted us about. And as an empath and someone that cares for everyone else but themselves out there kind of that, in that aspect takes, you know, the, the pain away from, from people. The way that we change the narrative on Kleinfelder syndrome, the 80 years of misinformation and, and um, the 80 years of, you know, just old outdated information. And I do understand this is a spectrum. So there are men that, fit the identical port like the identity identical um aspects of Kleinfelder syndrome and I'm not downgrading any of that but what I'm saying is that as a community in order to change these the the mothers that are constantly coming to us with you know their doctors telling them that they need to terminate that their child's going to be a monster that he's not going to function in normal society that you're going to have to take care of him your whole life. Just these horrible aspects that I hear every day, sometimes every day, sometimes three times a week, sometimes once a week, but it's more and more families are being diagnosed in utero with Kleinfelter syndrome because of the non-invasive prenatal testing and um, them considering people that are 35 geriatric. So, it, it blows my mind that the Kleinfelter syndrome is on this chromosome list of, of um, disorders and, and syndromes to terminate your child. And one of the aspects of that is that our community as a whole, right? We are hiding in plain sight. So what is happening to our community is easy to hide in the shadows from. And if you think about this, one perspective, if you were a parent and your son was born with Down syndrome or autism, what would you be doing differently? The reason why I mention that is because as a community, 
Klinefelter syndrome is the most common chromosome condition in men that happens to men only. And it's rarely diagnosed, but it's not a rare condition. One in 500, one in 650, one in 1,000 is not rare. So over the last 80 years, it's kind of been something that the stigma is so negative and so bad and some of the photos are just so awful online. And I do understand that those are people that have Klinefelter syndrome, but the photos and the misrepresentation of our community throughout the internet based off of some of the studies online, like your kid's going to end up in jail, um, some of these other aspects based on the comorbidities and all the health problems and potential negatives of what our community is about is based on such a small number of individuals on a, from a research perspective that in order to change all of this information, we as a community need to open up about our son's lives, about our lives. We need to educate people around us. We need to make this public so people understand what it is. That's the only way that we are going to change this is by having the support of community and community in the thousands and the 10,000s and eventually in the 100,000s where people are not going to let the stigma and the misinformation of micropenis and some of these other aspects that a lot of men that are adults that find out later in life that really struggle with these things of, well, I don't fall under these categories. Why am I going to submit myself to a stigma when I can just keep it secret, keep it quiet? Nobody needs to know that I have this because I don't show a physical representation where people out in public when I'm walking around won't know that I have this. You know, it's not like we all walk around naked and be like, oh, you have small testicles. Oh, you have Klinefelter syndrome. Like, you know, I have peanuts. I have pistachios. I have almonds. Like we don't, as a society, we don't go around just openly telling people um, what our testicle size is. I do, but I do it for awareness and, and uh, for a joke, for a laugh, to get people to see the reactions, uh, to sometimes make people uncomfortable, to kind of get them to think that male infertility isn't something that just happens to women. So um, this is something that I, I'm extremely passionate about. Um, I want this next generation of kids that is being diagnosed in utero to be 100% acceptance of themselves, to be fighters, to be this next generation that is able to change a lot of the aspects of insurance, that insurance is covered, that schools and, um, you know, this is like a 30-year goal is to get a lot of these things covered um, where society understands what this syndrome is about to where it's taught. It's taught um, accurately and um, it doesn't just categorize our community in a box that the community has a voice, an individual voice. And we do that through love, respect, communication, empathy, like for each other. There are going to be people that bully us. There are going to people be people that are naysayers or ignorant or all the negatives possible. But what there is, is there is a possibility of us being surrounded by people that support us, people that want to make a difference, people that want to donate in order to then allow us to even have a bigger impact. So this is like a revolving door. 
is once you open up and once you educate those people around you, whether it's your family or your friends, your teachers, your doctors, you know, you're, you're, you're out there on social media advocating for your child in an open way. You know, I understand that culture, community or culture, um, environment, all of these aspects play into families, you know, being open or not being open about this condition. Um, I understand that there's a lot of families out there that say, well, it's my son's choice to choose when he wants it. And I understand, and I'm not trying to change your perspective on that. I'm just trying to get you to understand a different perspective of how we as a community can completely just knock this one out of the park and make a bigger difference in a shorter amount of time so we can save more lives from termination so we can give the chance of having your sons and the younger generation to not go through some of the trials and stigma that my generation has gone through and and then for your kids generation to then empower and make a difference in the younger generation because Kleinfelder syndrome isn't going away it's only becoming more um, more diagnosed and more predominant. And so I want like the moms out there that are afraid to talk about it. I want you to be proud that your son that is one or two or not even born yet, that your son has already impacted other boys' lives, that other mothers out there have decided to keep their kids because this is something that is so amazing to hear is that when parents were thinking about terminating, they've They've talked to other families. They've seen the stories. They've listened to the podcast. They watch the YouTube videos. They see that life with Kleinfelder syndrome is possible. They see that there is an endless amount of support and um, we can do anything we put our minds to. And regardless of life, everyone challenges. Our challenges are just laid out there for us automatically right away. And so, you know, having your son not even understand what it's like to save a life and already save five or 10 or 20 thousands of lives. Your son has that power within him when he's older, that that acceptance of having Kleinfelter syndrome, learning that he's sterile, learning that he might have to have testosterone the rest of his life, these hardships that might come with Kleinfelter syndrome, that he's already made such a major impact in a community in a small community that's going to become a large community and an even bigger community at some point and so those are the things that empower us as we as we are to really look at ourselves and be like proud to be this way because i mean there i don't know if there's anything more important in this life to me and to most people is to like save a life and whether it's from suicide or termination that right there is you're giving someone the chance to have a life that people never thought they could have and what's incredible is all these moms that were told to terminate that were thinking about terminating that come to us afterwards that want to share their story because they don't want anyone else to go through what the hardships that they had gone through their son that is here is already making such an impact and they are beyond thankful for what we're doing to just give them that opportunity to meet this kid that they were going to just cut away and, and say, say, nope, we will try again. So 
just to our community out there and to all the adult men that have this, that, you know, are struggling with acceptance and struggling with, um, being like wanting to be themselves, but not wanting to open up to community and they're afraid of judgment and they're afraid of the negativity, you know, you'll find more people will support you than knock you down, especially in the world that we live in today. More people are open and becoming more empathetic towards people that have disabilities and, and um, syndromes and other things. Everyone has something. You know, this is something that I tell a lot of parents. Everyone is born with something. Some people just hide it. Some people are open about it. Some people have diabetes. Some people have Down syndrome. Some people have autism. Some people have Klinefelter syndrome. Some people have Jacob's syndrome, which is another Y chromosome, you know, high cholesterol, glasses, cancer, just everything out there. And there's a, there's an, uh, a singer on, um, Instagram that one American, or that was part of like the American, um, America's got talent. Her name is Nightbird, but her Instagram now is Nightbirdie. And she is, uh, like a really bad leukemia and a couple other types of cancer. And she wrote this song and she talked about how she didn't want people to just like, I, what was it? It was, it's so, it's so good. Like I made, I put a quote about it, about how she doesn't want, like life doesn't get better when you're like focused on the negatives. Like if you just, you don't want people to see you in that negative light is basically what she was saying. You know, everyone has their challenges and it only gets better when you want it to get better basically. So the guys that are out there that are really struggling, you know, you're not alone. There are all of us out there reaching out, we, we're here for you guys. We want you to be accepting and have that support and have that community around you where you feel empowered that your story and your life can make a difference in a, a baby that is just being born and a, a teenager going through high school, a middle school student being bullied that, you know, that you've been there, you know what it's like you're there for them. And us as a whole, as a community, we look out for each other, um, no matter how old we are, that our experiences that we share with each other um, can and will make a difference. And every single person out there that shares their experience about their life or about how they overcome executive functions or their testosterone or whatever the topic is that is out there, um, being bullied in school, how they overcame and, and you know, rose to the top, all of those experiences that you have in your life that you feel that is just, oh, this is just my life. This is just me. If you share those experiences, there will be someone else that can positively benefit from your life experience and will help them. And that's what community to me is all about is just this revolving door of constant help, acceptance, community, love, you know, looking out for each other, wanting what's best getting the best medical care, getting providers and doctors and this next generation of kids that's graduating from college or wanting to be doctors to get them properly educated on what Klinefelter syndrome is so we can flip the narrative, so we can change this, so we can take Klinefelter syndrome off the termination list and we can get teachers and other people to look at our kids and not say, oh, they're lazy or, you know, they might need extra help, but that's okay. And getting our sons and us to accept who we are. Because once you accept life with Klinefelter syndrome, it just gets easier. Even though there are tons of struggles and there are tons of differences 
from quote unquote the normal population, we do have these incredible positives that nobody else has but us. And we bring each other together, we build each other up, and that's how we change things. So with that being said, I mean, that was a that was a rant. That was a big one. But I speak uh, passionately about everything that I'm doing. Um, it's it, it's been a wild ride. Um, I know that this is just me talking and, you know, some people won't like what I have to say. But, you know, being bullied for 10 plus years of my life, I know to, you know, the haters are always going to hate. There will always be people that pick out the negative before the positive. And I know that what we're doing here at Living with XXY has made a profound impact, a positive impact in our world. And the more we continue to do, the more impact we're going to have. So I'm not going to allow that negative energy to come into my brain. Um, So thank you all for listening to me today. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be starting up um, more podcasts with more individuals talking about all the aspects of Kleinfelder syndrome, all the um, just positives, the negatives, the struggles, the the triumphs. Um, I'm hoping to have on some doctors this year, some psychologists, some other special interest people that could possibly spread some of their knowledge uh, for free, because that's a big one for free. So other families have accessible information that they can adapt to help their child succeed. That's it. So with that being said, have a wonderful night and um, I love you all. Uh, It's been incredible to see the love and support. The donations come in um, through Facebook birthdays, through the internet, you know, everything that we do in order to continue moving forward costs money. And uh, it's been incredible just to see the support Um, from the community, from people who believe in us. It makes me feel good. It makes me know that um, this is something that we're going to be doing for a very long time. And one day uh, we'll be recognized for um, Kleinfelder syndrome being something that people know about. People begin to learn more about it um, and not just put us in a stigma or based upon the information that they read 30 years ago. They might have a change of perspective, understanding, and um, pass along the information to other people that um, talk about Kleinfelder syndrome, that they learn something new. Hopefully, all of you have a wonderful night. We'll talk to you soon.